Welcome to the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast. Join Artem, Stefan, Ruslan, and Chris as we explore the latest trends and developments in the pharmaceutical industry with a focus on sales and technology. From cutting-edge innovations to practical tips and strategies, our expert guests will provide valuable insights to help you stay ahead of the game. Tune in to stay informed, inspired, and connected with the world of pharma sales. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Today we have another episode of the Pharma Sales and Tech Podcast. Our guest today is coming all the way from India. Her name is Nehal Golak, and she has wide industry experience. I cannot highlight this enough. She's working for Pfizer, but she's worked for many different international brands. And she works as a account brand manager. I think there would be some more details that Neal can cover on the podcast. And I will let her do her intro herself. Welcome to the podcast, Neal. Hey, thank you, Steve. And thank you for this great opportunity. And allowing me to share this platform with you. So it's almost a decade I'm a part of pharmaceutical industry. I got an opportunity to work with four mega pharmaceutical giant companies. I handled 19 different brands and worked over new launches, uh, building mega brands, therapy shaping, portfolio management. And this comprises of both the prescription business as well as OTX1. So that's how about me and my journey. Mm -hmm. Cool. cool. Can, well, that was very short. Can you, can you tell us a little bit about your, the position you held in different companies and like, why, why did you like working there? Maybe let's start with that. Okay, so I started my journey with Merit Abiotics. It's a nutraceutical company. It's UK-based number one nutraceutical company. I joined there as a management trainee. It was a wonderful experience. I managed to brand name Wellwoman there. And I also got an opportunity to launch Wellwoman 50 Plus. It was a brand extension. An excellent opportunity to work with. I spent a couple of years there and I moved to Sipla where I was a senior brand manager. I handled a big portfolio of anti-infectors. Post that I worked with Sun Pharma wherein my portfolio was quite bigger in size and where I worked on various therapy shaping activities and brands. I also worked for Volume Action, managed OTX business of it and another anti-infective pain management, a systemic or a vasoprotective launch. And that's how almost a journey of approximately three years. Then I joined Abbott as a group product manager. And there again are handled Vimox, Phytox, Asmo, and set of the brands which come under anti-infective portfolios. So the continuous engagement and motivation was learning for me. And, you know, the experience which I was gaining right now. It's Pfizer and your also I'm handling a bucket of anti-infectives and I'm into hospital business. So we manage the critical care part of it. Yeah. So that's how okay, so, my journey is. So as a brand manager, you certainly had some maybe marketing or, or sales agency, right? To, to the business. Can you share a specific example of a successful, let's say, marketing or sales strategy, the tactic you've implemented in the past? Any job that you have work. Okay, Steve. Yeah, actually, if you ask me one, it will be really difficult to gauge out 
out of multiple experiences. But yeah, definitely, um, I would like to elaborate something which uh, led into a successful outcome. Definitely, it was amalgamation of both sales and marketing strategy, which we did for a new launch of a systemic vessel protective. It involved a lot amount of pre-work into it. And that's the reason why I would like to share that story with you. And before starting the story, we were clear on our sales and marketing objective, what exactly we are willing to drive. Uh, we made KPIs very clear and they were quantifiable, right? We were mm-hmm. very clear what kind of a behavioral shift we are trying to drive out of that strategy, right? And we ran it for a specific time period. It was a time bound. So the very first thing which we did before launching the systemic vessel protective into the market, uh, we identified the key accounts. So usually we name this activity as potential mapping activity. Either or we also call it as an RCPA, which is a retail KMS prescription audit. You can also name mm-hmm. it as a market research survey. So when mm-hmm. identify the high accounts, right? So who have got a potential for a brand? So the ones who write my brand or those who write my competitor brand, right? And this is how mm-hmm. we define the customers. So basically just segment the market and then you target it based on your need. So the low-hanging fruits are obviously the ones who are writing my branch and the ones who are writing the molecule, right? So that was a first step for us. And then we gave the second priority, the ones, those who are not writing my molecules and the ones who completely have a different set of regimen or a line of a treatment to treating systemic vasoprotective uh, uh, regimen, right? So that's how we went about identifying the key potential. I think so this is, you know, really very important for uh, any strategy to be very successful to identify your target. So uh, that was number one step which we did. Apart from that, the second one was creating a personalized content. Okay, which is, I definitely feel as a marketer, which is a need of the art. Right. So the one who have a potential or the ones who are rightly prescribing, as I defined after the market uh, analysis and survey, we figured these are the two set of customers on which, you know, we will be targeting our promotional sets. The idea was to go a little bit more on to the, you know, customized approach. So idea is somebody is writing why he is writing, how he can, if he's giving me an X share out of his entire prescription. How it can mm-hmm. go to X plus N plus one, right? So every day, mm-hmm. how do I drag more business from the existing one? How do I go about consolidating the existing uh, set of my accounts and the prescribers, right? So mm-hmm. we, yeah, the idea was giving them the experience-based sale or the communication. So retain the base was prime of AC objective of this set, which we decided. And for the second set, those who are high potential, for example, they write the molecule, but they don't select mm-hmm. my brand as a primary choice. So how do we go about stating my USP, creating a unique value proposition about my brand, defining the communication, which talks about the differentiation about me and a competition. So yeah, and the result-based communication, which talks about the efficacy and the purity of my molecule. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's how mm-hmm. we designed our communication. So this was approach number two. The third important thing which we did about is the multi-channel engagement. 
as the experience which I'm sharing with you, Stephen, it is the era when, you know, pandemic wasn't started. So the pre-work of the brand, we did prior to the lockdown and the time when we were about to launch it, uh, it was the era of a first uh, wave of the COVID. I hope you understand. The gimmick of the marketing, it changed 360. The way we were too much into the physical, the idea was to go digital and then to physical. How do we combine them together? And then we, you know, went about making uh, the omni-channel approach or a multi-channel engagement. Whatever communication and a strategy we have de designed for the promotion of the brand, we decided to create multi-channel engagement, one on the physical aspect, the other one on the digital aspect. I have a question. How did you do this tactically? How did you make sure that the, the omni-channel approach, physical and digital are all both aligned? So my first question. And the other question is, how do you make sure the content you're delivering is fit to the persona that you need to? Okay, okay. So going about answering your second question first, how I went about selecting the content of it. The way I mentioned, we did a lot of uh, pre-work for the brand. We did near, we did one ad board. Uh, it was inclusive of 21 surgeons and 21 general physicians. We understood in which different indications they're writing my brand. What is the current need gap? And that need gap analysis study basically we did. And what are the expectations if somebody is coming new into the market, which has got mm -hmm. a verbal, yeah, um, the origin, which is not, you know, very chemical or a synthetic based or natural origin, yet it is effective. And what are your expectations from it? So content was majorly driven on that aspect. So if I have to give you a brief about my market here, um, it's much about the surgery driven, right? And idea was mm -hmm. to give them something which can be prescribed orally, which acts on the root cause of the disease. So one can mm -hmm. stop or, you know, um, or change the duration of the surgery. So that, that was a key customer insight. We figured it out from the ad board, from the field work and from one survey. Uh, it was kind of a questionnaire of 21 questions we conducted. It was, yeah, I don't wish to go much deeper on it, but yeah, it was based upon much of an insight from the customer and consumer and then we derived a communication part of it. Then, now as we classified uh, two different sets, the one who are prescribing this and the one who are not prescribing this, we define uh, strategies of communication. So one who are prescribing, the, that channel should have a physical engagement where a person is reaching out to them, having a frequent calls. I have something in clinic like a studies report, leave behind literatures. So that physical engagement is quite solid in the first set of a group. And second one, who have a high potential and the likelihood of prescribing my brand, we selected that set of a customer for digital approach. So that in order to create awareness about my brand, you know, the idea model, how, how does it work and, you know, and then they start making them into a converted customer kind of a thing by email, by social media approach. I remember I have conducted near about 25 webinars within a month, a couple of months time. It, it, it was really a hot mess though, <laughs> but we want to, to reach as many customers as possible because that was an advantage of, you know, taking a digital route. The time it takes less and the reach is really maximum. 
and also the infographic messages and gifs we created the smallest one of contents we started creating on the brand and that's how we went about you know promoting it and yeah going it ahead I'm more please about the, the the webinar you conduct you said you conducted 21 webinars within two months that was like yeah, a lot yeah. oh yeah <laughs> I understand. So as I mentioned, we conducted the ad boards initially. So these ad boards, there were different, uh, you know, the uh, surgeons and physicians which came uh, across the nation, they came together. So then the idea is, as they all belong to all different parts of the nation, they become the key leader speaker and, you know, uh, train the trainer kind of once they are pretty aware of my molecule they are aware of my usps i took them as a kol they become my key opinion leader they became my advocate and they drive the brand promotion in their specific region and then that was being attended by another uh, set of you know thousand uh, doctors down there in their particular local area and that's how the advocacy about the brand was being built digitally how about physically? Did you approach the doctors personally and thought, like, did you give them booklets? How did you persuade, go about persuading them? Yeah. So, idea was first of all to identify the customers. And then, first one, we went about giving the teaser sets. Like, something is coming, which, is, mm-hmm. which can break the traditional approach uh, of treating it. Then the second, the brand is available in nearby chemists. The set of names you went about giving them. The third about a welcome kit. The fourth was monograph. The fifth was the molecular USPs. Sixth was how it is breaking the monotony of the market and the current treatment options. And how it can overcome, uh, you know, uh, the need gap which is there into the market. So that's how the series of communication was built in terms of the physical literatures so that's how it was bounded together and and who was helping you on the physical side of things were you connected to the yeah we have it was a sales team approximately 500 people down the ground like they were quite active in promoting it once the first uh, lockdown was over and people started joining it yeah so that's how when we started physical approach of the brand promotion so we have a complete good team of 500 people uh, on the ground and inclusive of first line and second line manager uh, around 150 people out there. Oh, wow. So you literally, you literally had to align. Were you the one who to align the physical and digital strategy together or, or not? Yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, yeah, rightly uh, mentioned, Stephen, aligning was the task right so before setting an objective uh, bringing them all together to a common pl- platform training them guiding them hand holding them you know and teaching them what is to be promoted and claim it it took about a month's period uh, before having actual launch on ground yeah so training them was the priority for all of us I'm, I'm thinking how do you go about like using data and analytics to create and improve your, let's say, brand marketing, marketing campaigns. And how do you sort of make them relevant to your HCPs, to your customers, like personalization wise? 
Yeah, sure. So being a part of pharma industry, I understand data is a sacrosanct. And then various level at which, you know, we understand the data, we dig down and come up with the conclusion. So yeah, first of all, at the customer segmentation, we uh, do the data analysis and data mining. It is very much important, you know, to uh, improve the relevance of the messages which is going to the doctors. So the seg segmenting them on the basis of geographic, demographic approach, acceptance of the molecule, preference, the choices, their behavior, gender, the economic state of the patients. Not many things we kept into the parameter. Second was the behavioral analysis, what we did. So it is kind of a perception mapping which we do. Uh, so kind of a dipstick analysis, which helps us giving the insight about uh, the, their preferences and choices about uh, selecting the molecule. Third important was uh, the predictive analysis in order to, you know, forecast mm -hmm. the number which we are driving for the brand, where the market is going, where my competitors are growing. And with the with help of the existing Kagar, uh, like uh, growth and the compound annual growth rate, basis on that, where we land uh, in, you know, couple of years or after a decade and for this financial year, what should be your target? And the another set of uh, data mining we did, I think so, it was for a personalized content delivery. As we have a very, you know, segmented set of a data to whom we are taking the brand, depending upon the which specialty you're targeting. It is surgeons, it is ga gastros, or, you know, what should mm -hmm. be my communication. So that was a uh, time when, you know, we had to understand the data mining of the customer set. Apart from that, we also had a data analysis of competitor analysis. Like, you know, we went about understanding the uh, regional variations where the market is strong, where I am strong, where the competitor is weak, that area can be developed. So that regional competition analysis was something which, you know, uh, we did in case of data analysis. Apart from that, we also did the uh, ROI measurement. Uh, this is a return on investment. We basically uh, do it in order to understand E by S ratio is your expenses to sales. Because I hope you understand, we both being a part of the same industry, we have yeah. a stipulated amount of budget for doing anything. So how are we fitting into it and yet optimizing it and making best out of it was, you know, something. That's the reason where we went about using and crunching much of a data sheet. Then the sales forecasting, yes, based upon the raw material API as it was imported and, you know, meeting those timelines, setting the realistic goals procurement till goal setting and targeting for all that <laughs> data mining was the thing for us so we used to sit on the forecasting on the weekly basis on the monthly basis are we up to the mark and should we procure more units or how should we go about it yeah that was something where the data mining was the thing for us then the customer journey mapping yes this was mm -hmm. another set of analysis we did you know where we try to understand the, the journey or uh, what we say, the life cycle of the patient and where my brand could exactly do the impact or, you know, the prescribing pattern of that particular customer and where he can put prior surgery brand can be prescribed. Post-surgery, it can be prescribed. During surgery, as uh, it has got a good you know, properties of keeping that uh, surgical area, uh, you know, uh, away from the blood and uh, provide a clean surgical area. So that's the reason why all three placements were made in terms of promotion. 
so yeah it was very important to understand customer and uh, you know the process journey as well apart from that yeah kind of a real time analysis which we used to do which is a weekly sales tracking monthly sales tracking and review meetings which helps mm-hmm. us to understand are we on target or not basically so once we decide the target the continuous feedback mechanism or a continuous analysis or reviewing makes important now so mm-hmm. that you know you can understand whether it is effective or not whether the strategy which we have applied it is working or not and there's there's certain on the moment changes which are required to make it more better that's how there's real time interventions were needed so that's the reason we, we also used to look at this daily and weekly data sets also and apart from that in the last poll so we went about uh, taking customers feedback of the brand and mm. uh, yeah yeah whether they're satisfied or not what is their satisfaction level what is their feedback but with the gap which they have identified earlier were they being satisfied by the brand launch and you know mm-hmm. what's not in the world so yeah that's what the various avenues so you know where we went about using the data to optimize the uh, effectiveness of the sales team my question would be so this is actually very exciting because you're you're going into very detail it's not very often we hear this much detail on the podcast so thank you for that yeah yeah um, so welcome stephen my question would be this in terms of like sales and marketing alignment like when you do this campaign how do you like <laughs> it's certainly a big challenge for like a lot of the brand manager and a lot of the sales people i meet how do you make sure you have you actually have this alignment in place like are there any steps you go about that you uh, align your physical sales force and your digital sales force because uh, sales like activities maybe marketing activities because what i'm saying is a lot of the managers in bid brand manager the sales manager in pharma are afraid of using digital because they they are afraid of the challenges that lie ahead and they're not sure of the mm-hmm. ROI that comes with using digital so maybe you could uh, light put some shed some light into that as well yeah definitely so i try addressing the question on both the aspects the very first one is the managing the team i guess and how to yeah. align the ma- the marketing and the sales objective and since uh, the second part i would go about addressing is how do we welcome this digital era and make people welcoming it and all okay so the very first is idea was making people you know more aware of it change is the only constant thing we made them accept it and the continuous meetings and you know motivation building leading with the examples so it's something which we direct uh, somebody that doesn't happen the way we feel but if we lead it with the example uh, we create some innovative ways of communicating it to it with some demonstration example we encourage the people who are bringing the change in their current working lifestyle and this is kind of on the job training where somebody is doing really good his success story is being shared with others that encourages them that motivates them you know to do something which is beyond what they haven't done it earlier and mm-hmm. idea is we do this lo- a lot of oath taking activities where we try and you know bring all of us on the same page in a platform and try to define mm-hmm. our ethos and ensure that this is a business objective this is a marketing objective and the sales team needs to align with it because of the vision which we are driving for the brand 
and a lot of you know momentum and intho has been pumped during the cycle meets and all you know. so you know that's how making them winning them making them part of a success recognizing them creating the platforms where the reward and recognition is given right then the people work for people basically so you need to create a safe and welcoming and a warm environment for them where they get a sense of you know belonging or the sense of victory or sense of doing something valuable meaningful for the healthcare industry or you know to overall uh, domain as such their contribution has to be valued then all of us uh, become one right and we drive that objective or vision which we wish to drive it's basically creating a culture and making them adaptable bringing the agility in the environment and driving that one ethos yeah that's how it is quite engaging activities though team building activities and aligning mm-hmm. them and you know always the idea is to have always one on one interactions two way open discussions continuous feedback or mechanisms which helps each other understand better to drive uh, successful outcomes so that's how we went about doing it and yeah the moment you mentioned the digital era yeah I, definitely so uh, it was a time when we uh, you know have to give them a proper training in order to understand what are the challenges and what are the pluses and minuses of welcoming these digital technologies to our world and how can we best achieve our objectives by doing this we gave the hands on training to them and we set a support mechanism so there was a set of small technical team which addressed their uh, on the go and yeah and we make them try it do, do it have a hands on experience we did small kind of pilot studies first send it to amongst yourself and then do the mass emailing then do the all those things so that's mm-hmm. how we went about you know creating it a mega thing gotcha interesting So I I got like basically two more questions for you and my question would be how do you go about using AI in your daily activities a lot of people are afraid of ChatGPT or any sort of AI especially in pharma and how do you go about that Yeah I understand it completely so I believe it will be quite early to you know comment on the AI being used in the pharma industry because I completely feel it is a pre people and a value driven asset where the pharma industry looks at themselves but yeah ai can be a game changer it can change the way a healthcare system can be built a solution can be brought to newer diseases more complicated diseases it can be a helping aid to surgeons like various surgeries or treatments protocols can be driven apart from that i completely understand ai can also be used uh, to improve the salesforce effectiveness right even uh, converting data into a more analytical uh, sets and something into a portion which can be easy to consumed by field force the training can be more made more simpler and easier with the help of ai right the actual mm-hmm. detailing practices how can you improve the in clinic communication the in clinic effectiveness of that particular communication with the demo videos can be given to the field force so that you know the the practice mode can be made for them so i'm not saying i'm using it this is how i can interpret the future of the ai in the pharma industry can take a shape 
So it can mm-hmm. also bless the healthcare system. It can also, you know, be an added tool for training team members for data analysis in our industry. And apart from that, in developing a very insightful, engaging communications also, can AI help us out? Yeah. The way from paper-based communications to now iPad communications, now GIF, mailers, it can go to another, you know, new ways or era of taking the communication to the end consumer. This is how I would say. So, last question. This was very insightful, by the way. Thank you so much. So last question, if you, if you had to give advice to um, people in the position of a sales manager, national sales manager, national brand manager, what would that advice sound like? Okay. So the more important advice, which I would like to give to the leaders who will be listening to us is focus on the bigger goal. Right. The idea should be your mind should always have that bigger picture and never to get set back with the rejections. Learn from them. If you face any kind of a setbacks or a rejection, they should be treated as an opportunity to grow above it. And we need to celebrate small, small wins. And we always have to be optimistic and positive in our approach. We should have this continuous learning attitude. Because I strongly feel it is a mindset which, you know, can move the mountains. So basically, that's something which one has to completely work on. How the leadership mindset can help the people, to those who are following us. We have mm. to be always mindful, you know, in how do we address our stress. Apart from that, always have very realistic expectations or having a smart goal. Because that, you know, somehow lowers the burden on the team which who are following us. So that's the second thing which I would like to share with all the leaders. And uh, yeah, apart from that, always maintain a transparency and a healthy uh, balance in the work and life. Uh, that creates a sets an example for others also to do mm-hmm. uh, more productive work at a workplace, take the breaks wherever possible, recharge and come back, bounce back with a great amount of energy to do wonders. So yeah, these are the three things. So basically, I feel like I would like to give as a message to all the leaders. Awesome. Stay healthy. Thank you so much for this episode. It was very insightful personally for me and I bet it was insightful for our listeners as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna look ahead and ask you for another episode and like in about a year time maybe you'll have some well I'm pretty sure you're gonna have some new episodes new in your life and new uh, strategies that you have implemented with success and we'll be super glad to hear about those again okay so definitely Stephen it was wonderful interacting with you it was amazing experience thanks a lot thank you the pleasure is mine